Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, guys. Go ahead and find your spots. Um, Welcome. It's really hard to go away from that jewelry, like when you start looking at it. It's a real problem, but it's a good problem for that jewelry. Um, I'm so excited to be here. Um, I'm Steph, and Boog asked me to share a little while ago um, on the resurrection. And um, he's actually been sharing a series um, for the past couple weeks on the resurrection in Christianity. And one of the first messages that he um, shared uh, was... about a letter that Paul had written to the Corinthians after um, he had experienced the resurrection. And he was speaking to these people. And first he actually, uh, when Jesus resurrected, he came to the people that he was the closest to, his family, um, the disciples. And, And then, very shortly after that, he appeared, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 6, it says, After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters, most of whom were still living, but some had fallen asleep. And I remember sitting and I remember hearing the falling asleep part, and I thought, oh, for some reason it wouldn't leave my head. Because I feel like so many of us have fallen asleep. We've like seen the resurrection power of Jesus, but we're sleeping. Like these people had seen him. They saw him. They saw him die on a cross in front of them, and they saw him alive. But they were sleeping. And I've been praying upon that ever since Boog asked me to share. And my heart just started to ache (laughs) for all of us that were missing this crazy, amazing power. And the beauty in the life of the resurrection that we're about to celebrate at Easter time. Because the resurrection isn't just a one day thing, it's a life changing, it's a life giving, minute by minute gift that we as believers get to experience every day. So today we're going to kind of look at the past in the Bible and some of the lives there. We're going to look um, at my life. And then we're going to look into your lives. And hopefully, each of us will be able to see the resurrection power that the God of the universe has given each of us through his son. All of us know that the Bible is filled with thousands of stories in the Old and the New Testament where God shows his power. In fact, from the very beginning, God began life by breathing life into this earth and creating what we see around us. And when, for me, there was this one specific story about a prophet named Ezekiel, which obviously I really like that name. (laughs) It's my middle son's name. 
He was a really strong prophet. The Lord used him in a ton of different ways. The name means strength of God. And um, Ezekiel was struggling with the land of Israel because it was dying and dead. They were all enslaved. There was very little, there was no hope. It was like a dark, dead valley. And Ezekiel had a vision or a dream. And in that dream, the Lord prophesied to him and told him what he needed to do. And so he told Ezekiel um, to breathe the power of God into this valley of dry bones. This is taken from um, Ezekiel 37. And um, it's a really fascinating um, story. And I've always loved this story. And it's meant a lot to me, especially with part of my story you'll hear later. But, um, but what he says is he says, um, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. And say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So Ezekiel did exactly what God told him to do. And as he did that, life came into these dead bones. And they came to life and stood up on their feet. And there was a vast army. This story is a symbolism of Jesus and the life that was to come and the life that he would breathe into all of his people. That he would bring to the dead, to our valleys, to our lives, to our skeletons, these whole healthy bodies that could fight like an army. This change. Book spoke about Paul. And the drastic change that occurred in his life when he saw the resurrected Lord. He was a murderer. He caused death. He was death. But when he saw and experienced the resurrection power, everything changed. And he brought life to thousands of people. This incredible good news. 1 Corinthians 6.14 said, By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Paul and all of the disciples were pure witnesses to this. Their lives changed. They were able to bring life to so many, and their lives were so changed. So in studying all of this, of course, I couldn't stop but think about my own life and all the many ways that I've experienced the resurrection power. I'm going to share my life story with you, and for some of you guys, you've probably heard it before. But as I'm sharing, it's my prayer that you're able to actually see and hear how the Lord has literally resurrected my life. And taken some of the ugliest skeletons, as we would say, or valleys, and made them into something incredible. So I'm going to kind of do a young lifestyle. I'm going to start from the beginning and kind of walk through. And um, I'll kind of, I won't bounce as much as I, I'll try not to. But um, I'm going to pray really quick because I really want 
the Lord's glory to be shown through all this and, and not, not mine. So, Father God, thank you so much for, for the stories of our lives, for each of us in all of the ways that you just want to bring incredible life to us. And, Lord, I pray that, um, I pray Romans 8.18 today on my story and on these people, that your glory and your power would shine so greatly and that each of us would walk out knowing the life that we get to live through you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. So I was born um, to this really young couple that fell in love. They were neighbors. My mom was 15. My dad was 17. Literally, they lived next door to each other down in L.A. And um, my dad, at the time, at 17, had already had a pretty extensive career with a very, very involved drug organization. He started running when he was 12. So he was the kid that would run the drugs to the corner. Then the leaving um, would grab him, and then he would go. Kind of like those movie-type stories. And um, he had a pretty great career in that, actually. <laughs> Did well. And so when my mom and dad um, got pregnant with me and got married, they, they did okay, but my life that I was born into was very different. Um, drugs everywhere, guns everywhere, lots of activity that children shouldn't see. But for me, it was just life. That was normal. Um, <clears throat> My mom had had two kids by the time she was 21 and was divorcing my dad and um, ended up getting involved with a surfer who <clears throat> took us to San Clemente. One of the best gifts that we got about that relationship. <laughs> Actually went to this junior high. Um, and <clears throat> so the divorce was really tragic and really hard for me as a five-year-old. I really loved my dad. I didn't understand what was happening in our house as being anything terrible or bad. So that was really, really hard for me. Um, the man that my mom married was extremely abusive, horrible drug addict, and um, life at home was very chaotic. Um, I went to Las Palmas Elementary, and uh, a little girl kept inviting me to come spend the night at her house, and I kept thinking, oh, I want to go so bad. My mom would say no. She kept offering. And um, finally, my mom said yes. Now, in this process of me going back and forth um, from house to house, when I went to my dad's, obviously, it was extremely not violent, but just a lot of men doing a lot of really bad things because <laughs> he was with a lot of um, different people involved in that industry. And so sometimes he would have to leave and he would leave me home alone with the men. And so that left these young girls to be subjected to lots of sexual abuse and lots of horrible things. And so that I wanted to just touch on that a little bit before I go into the invitation to go to my girlfriend's house. But um, that was really ugly and not comfortable and horrific. But at the time, again, all of these things were happening to me, but I didn't understand how bad they were. It was just the way that my life was. Um, so my mom had a really hard time letting me go somewhere, probably because she knew how bad it was at home. 
and that maybe I would realize that this isn't normal. This activity is, there was physical abuse going on in my mom's home, sexual abuse in my dad's house. It was just abusive, drug-filled death. <laughs> Yuck. And um, when my mom finally gave in to this sleepover, I was so excited. I don't know why I was so, probably just because I got to do something that I'd never gotten to do. And I remember when I went into her house and um, for the very first time, and she, she was just so excited to have me over there, and they were just, there was something different. And it was like this instant moment when I realized, hmm, this is, this is, this is what I want. <laughs> There's something here I want. There's something really good here. And I, I remember just really thinking about that and feeling so safe. Um, and the very next day was a Sunday, and I say this, I, I always want to share this part of my story because I think about all of us as moms and how important it is to realize how much of a ministry our homes are. Um, that we never know, the kids that we welcome into our homes, what kind of an impact we can have by just how we live as a family. Um, they impacted my life so greatly. So um, we went to church the next day. It was my first time ever entering into a church. <laughs> and I remember walking, just San Capo Beach, opened the doors, walked in, and I was like, this is home. It was the first time that I got to experience that resurrection power, that life, that like, this is it. I never want to leave here. I see it. There's like a big change in me. I was a little second grader, seven years old. The Lord knew that I was going to be a teacher someday and that I was going to resurrect that feeling in hundreds of kids. He was going to bring life to that death. I never stopped going. Every Sunday, my mom would drop me off <laughs> and I would walk in and go to church with the family. And God began to do some incredible changing in my life. Um... The life stuff at home did not get any better. In fact, it got worse. Um, by the time I was 13, my dad had started to use the stuff that he was selling. He did a really good job not doing anything with it until I was a teenager. I started to kind of reclaim my life and be like, I don't want to go to that house anymore because I know I'm going to get abused every time I go. So that stopped. I kind of stopped seeing my dad for <clears throat> that time on. And when I was 15, <clears throat> um, I was like, I can't deal with this crazy abusive relationship that my mom was having. I was super involved in my youth group. The Lord had just completely taken a hold of my life, and I was zeroed in on him and what he was going to do with me. You know, I've worked with lots of teenagers, adults, kids, there is very little that will break the cycle of abuse and destruction other than the power of the Lord. There's nothing, really, that can change that death except for God's power. And I remember at the age of 15 claiming that and saying, I'm done. This is not the life that is meant for me. I want what you want for me. I want your life, your breath. I want something different. And man, 
did he do some different things? Um, I started praying to go to college. I wanted to go do something different. All I could see around me was destruction and death. And the Lord was so good to me. Um, I got to go to Point Loma. And with this incredible family who loved the Lord, who encouraged me to be a kid. Um, And then I met Bug. And I was not ready to be married. This is where the sleeping part kind of comes in a little bit because, you know, the Lord can do these incredible things in our lives and provide such great things. But sometimes we think it's better if we control it ourselves, if we do it our way, if we think it just doesn't make sense and we're going to do those things. That happened a lot with me when I was in college. Because I was like, I am not getting married (laughs) until I'm like 40. (laughs) I had plans, and this is what I was going to do, and the Lord had been really faithful, and he was going to do exactly what I wanted. (laughs) But no, he called me to be a wife. You know, it's so funny because all my life I wanted a family. I wanted that, that home that I walked into that one day. Like, that's what I wanted. And he knew that. He knew that in my heart I wanted a ministry, that I wanted something for people to come to and feel safe. So we got married, and we started youth ministry. Like, what better resurrection power is that take the death of life that I had lived to be able to minister to girls that had walked through some of the worst and darkest sexual abuse situations you could ever imagine and say, I, I, I get it been there. Divorce, drug abuse, all kinds of ugly stuff that people have to walk through. And I was able to say, I know. But guess what? The Lord can totally take this and resurrect you and your life and change you and give you beyond your your dreams. Um, it was really an amazing first part of our ministry. We didn't have kids. We were having so much fun. The Lord was doing incredible things. And then we said, we want to start this family. And, you know, all through my life, this, this stuff that was happening was bad, but I really knew that God had something incredible for me and that he was going to give me life no matter what. And it's so funny because... It was so good. And I trusted him so much. And as we started to try to decide to have this family, um, I kept losing babies. Then another one. And then the third one. And I was like, okay, Lord. Like, haven't I dealt with enough death? How many more valleys? How many more skeletons? (laughs) And I remember getting on my knees after the last one, and I said, you know what? (sighs) I just need you to breathe life into me. I want life in here. I do not want any more death. No more. I remember the darkness, and I remember the Lord just being so clear. Trust me, my child. I promised you I would take care of you. I promised you this life. I promised you. You have to trust me. 
And I got pregnant, Keaton. And it was amazing, I have to be honest. There's been nothing bad with him or any of my children. It's been amazing. Lots of issues, lots of loss in between. And the Lord just continued to just breathe life into our family, regardless of the death that was happening. I wish I could say that my parents, well, my dad got saved. That's a big part, but we'll talk about that another time. But yes, that stuff just kept happening. But, but he took my life, and he just continued to resurrect it. And I knew after that moment of collapse with, before Keaton, um, I just knew that no matter what, no matter what, that God's life always lift me back up. I couldn't do it on my own because then I get all controlling and it just doesn't work. I knew that I needed that power. So we had our three kids and um, everything was fabulous. Thriving church, incredible place to live, phenomenal job as a teacher. And all of a sudden I got pregnant. I was like, what? <laughs> no, 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 we're done. I had begged you <laughs> for these babies <clears throat> 10 years ago. And now here we are pregnant with a fourth baby. And, um, and the Lord began this total love relationship with our entire family. We could not wait for a fourth rose baby. He totally changed our hearts. Because we had this plan and we, we were done. Everything was okay. But he's like, nope. There's more here for you. So we all got super excited. Tons of you guys got excited. Couldn't believe we were going to have a fourth baby. And I was going to be like a super old mom, but that's okay. It was the worst pregnancy, point blank, from day one. And I, I think every time I vomited, I was like, I just know this is going to be worth it. It's going to be okay. IVs in me, I was like a mess. And <clears throat> we went to find out what we were having. And the minute she put the monitor on there, because I had one every week, my womb was totally dead. The baby was dead. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I want to go to sleep now. <laughs> I'm totally done. I've seen you resurrect and do all this amazing things, but this is it. I'm, I am dead. I kind of couldn't move. I remember, like, just sitting there, like, oh, my God. Like, how can this happen? Why is all this happening? And I had such a hard time even looking at the idea of a resurrection because nothing, there was nothing living. I, I, it was like the end. And, um, and then we went into the doctor's office, and he's like, you have to carry this dead baby for three days before you can deliver, because, <clears throat> because you have a blood disorder, and I had to wait for my clotting times to get better, otherwise I'd bleed to death, and you have to deliver the baby. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. <clears throat> this valley of dry bones just washed over me. And I was like, I'm, okay. So I waited three days. And I kept, I couldn't stop thinking about God's presence. And, and I knew 
how much he loved me. I started uh, calling these times the beard-clinging times, the times when I just wanted to grab his beard and shake him and I'm over you. (laughs) Why are you doing this to me? Like, what are you wanting to say? How are you going to possibly use this? My whole family is, like, completely destroyed. Like, what more? (laughs) And then I got to deliver to the delivery room. Not fun. Beard clinging. How are you going to make this life? How are you going to resurrect this? And I remember pushing, and I remember looking, and I just called out for that breath of God like no other. I was like, come in here, just be here. And he was there. And you guys, as I pushed out this baby that I knew was not going to look like a rose baby, (laughs) I looked straight behind my doctor, eyes wide open, and I walked right into heaven, and I saw my baby in Jesus' arms looking right at me. And I was like, that's our baby, like completely okay. In the God of the universe's arms. Like I I remember not wanting to leave that place. It was the most death, yuckiest, nobody wants to be their place, but I didn't want to leave. Because Jesus was able to just bring his power right there. And take me to a place where I knew everything was going to be okay. That my baby was there. That he was in the arms of the father. (laughs) And he was messing with his beard. His blonde, fuzzy hair. (laughs) And it was going to be okay. There are some death things we have to walk through. It's not worth walking through death when you know you have a savior that can make life out of it. Like, totally take it and turn it into life. (sighs) To walk through that. This is not the vision, because it's a black and white. I'll see it in heaven when I go there. But you guys, God showed up. His power started when I was a little girl. It started thousands of years ago. And as we know, it never stops until we're with him in eternity. The resurrection is so much more than one event. It's forever. To be able to resurrect that, I'm sorry, but I'd rather have it with that. I should be in a padded room or something. Without that power, there's no way. That's not done yet. (laughs) The Lord made that really clear after he lost Ricky. It's not done. I have more power to show you. Because then your husband's sick and he's dying.
And I was like, I think I'm going to pull your beard off now. You might have some permanent holes right here. <laughs> but then part of me just wanted to crawl in his lap. And, you know, we all, every single one of us in here got to experience God's resurrection power through our family and through that time. And I remember, I specifically, on that January 30th, 31st time when I could smell the death. I could smell it. I knew that I was going to be a widow at that moment. It was over. This was the valley that I didn't think that the Lord could breathe life into anymore. This is it. This is the end of our ministry. I remember putting my head down on the gurney that he was laying in, and I had my head down. and I just remember this, like, crazy breath, warmth that kind of came upon me. And the Lord was like, remember what I told you? Do you remember how much I love you? I will do more than you can ever imagine if you continue to trust me. I will make beauty from ashes. It's not, this isn't it. And all of us were on our knees. Thousands of people praying, some that had never prayed before. Families deciding that they needed to find God because they knew that there was something more here. I'm not sure why the Lord has to use some of my stories to show his resurrection power. I'm not sure why we had to go through that, but I do know that God was glorified and that people saw God's resurrection power. Everything's different for our family. Most of us, everything's different. It will never look the same. When Boogie said it's not over after he woke up, I remember laughing because I remember hearing very similar things from the Lord after each valley. It's not over. Trust me. It's going to be over. Remember that power, that life? Every day you have it. Every day you can access it. Man, I don't know why we fall asleep. We see these crazy things, we hear these incredible stories, and yet we still decide we're too tired. We have the greatest gift in our living God. It's it. It's the defining factor. It's the only supernatural thing that changes death into life. Romans 8.11 says, But the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. 
he who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You guys, this power is so real. There's nothing else that could have led me to where I am today. Nothing. Nothing else that leads us to where we go if we have him in us and we understand the importance of his resurrection. God is the God of resurrecting lives. That's his purpose. It's so crazy that Purpose Jewelry was going to be here the same time that I was sharing because all I can think about is those lives resurrected. Each and every one of those girls. What a death and ugly place that each of them have had to live. And then God comes in with his organization and just resurrects them and gives them purpose. It's the same story that started thousands of years ago when he breathed life into creation, the land of Israel, the people. I mean, it just keeps on going. And I wonder what it is in each of us. What's dead? What needs to come alive? Um... Tyler's going to come up and play a song in a minute. And um, it's one of my favorites. It's called Dry Bones. <laughs> and it's taken from that Ezekiel in the Valley of the Dry Bones when God tells him to breathe his breath upon the death. And... Um, I just, during that time, would really ask that you would be praying about what needs to come alive in you? What needs to be resurrected? Are you sleeping? Are you missing this gift? Um, so many times I could have given up and just, <clears throat> I'm over it. I'm totally done. But then I'd be sitting in death. I don't want to sit there. Dead marriage, dead friendships, dead spirit. It's not worth it. Because look what he can do. It's incredible. So um, I'm going to just read this verse from Romans. And uh, we'll project a painting that I'll talk about that in a second. But If we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be reunited with him. And then the last, I'm going to have that Ephesian verse come on up really quickly because um, I just want you to think about this as we have our little few minutes of quiet. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Lord, I just pray that you would shine upon us. Lord, I pray your resurrection power would just come in this room, Lord. 
that what is dead oh, would come alive. Breathe your breath, O oh God. We ask this in your name. Amen. This is an image that Kirsten had painted <clears throat> when she heard my story a really long time ago. I don't think I need to say much more because you just heard it. But that's what it feels like. Free as a bird. <laughs> when we claim that power. Blessings. Where are you folks? Are you in the valley of dry bones? Are you asleep? As Steph just shared and Tyler just sang, God wants to breathe life into you. Take a deep breath. Breathe in God's holiness. Breathe in God's goodness. May your life be a reflection of Jesus as he's a reflection in Steph's life and in Boog's life and in so many others' lives. Breathe. Breathe in deep today. If you feel like you're in the, in the valley of dry bones or if you feel like you're asleep, we don't do this much, and, but the Lord's putting it on my heart to do it this morning. I would ask that uh, the leadership team be available up here. Um, some of you are here this morning. Could we just kind of lay back? And if you feel like you need someone to pray with you, feel free to step forward. Do you have another jingle you could do? So I would ask the leadership team to come forward as, as uh, we stand and I dismiss you. And if you do feel like you need uh, uh, prayer, pray with someone. But I would just encourage you to breathe. Breathe, breathe, breathe. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Steph. We thank you for her story. Father, we all have stories. We all have baggage. We all have background. But Lord, you've given us the opportunity to breathe in you. And I just pray, Lord, that we could be an encouragement to one another this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. If you, need, if you would like prayer, come forward. If you, uh, please don't forget to go pick them up. And then for those of you that are interested in this beautiful jewelry, go see my beautiful wife back there behind the table. Thank you.